Hello, friends. The topic of this workshop is steps four and five. My name is Melissa. I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic. I am one of your speakers and the other speaker is Blair. We're going to, this session will be interpreted simultaneously into French. If you require interpretation, please click on the interpretation symbol at the bottom of your Zoom panel and choose French. Let's open with the serenity prayer. God, God grant me grant the, the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things, things I cannot change, the, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know, know, the know the difference. I will not mind you done. Uh, the workshop format is two speakers for 20 minutes each, and then the floor will be open for a question and answer session. The audio of this session is being recorded and will not be edited. Please note that this session will be available online as a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. If you share, you have given consent to be recorded. So please do not share if you don't want to be recorded. Here is some Zoom information. Attendees are automatically muted. We ask that you keep what you see and hear here confidential and that there be no recordings or screen captures. Please respect the anonymity of all who attend. Please also stop your video if you are walking around having side conversations or eating. If you want to change your view sessions, click on the view button on the top right of your screen. You may choose either gallery or speaker view. We ask that you rename yourself to first name and last initial. Feel free to add your state, province, or country. Also, please note that chat is sent to host only, is set to host only until right before the speakers finish. If Melissa, I'm sorry, can we just pause for one moment? Certainly. Thank you. Claire, can you see if you can hear the French interpretation, please? Franz, can you just speak for a moment so that Claire can see if she can hear you? Uh-oh. No. Okay, we're going to pause for one second. I'm going to end the interpretation and try to start it up again. While we're doing that, can I ask Melissa, I'm going to time you I'll give you a five minute warning and a one minute warning. Do you want me to give you a signal or do you want Perfect. me to interrupt? Perfect. Yeah, see this? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I like that a whole lot better than having someone interject. Before you start again, Franz, can you please unmute and see if I can hear you just straight hear you? Can you end? It's ended interpreting. Hold on. I, I just started again. Hold on. Okay. Go ahead, Franz. Can you unmute? Yes. Okay. Can you speak now? Yes. Now, now. Do you hear me? I hear you fine. Good. Okay. okay. Let's try to start the interpretation again and see how this goes. 
Thank you everyone for your patience. <laughs> Sorry about that guys. Ah, yay. All right. So here we go again. Uh, if you have, I'm just going to resume the format. Welcome to those now who have French interpretation. Uh, the topic of our meeting, I'm not really starting from the beginning, is steps four and five. This is a normal Zoom room, so we ask that you rename yourself with your first name and last initial or place and not a last name. And we ask that you remain muted during this session. Uh, there will be ask it basket questions after the speakers have spoken for 20 minutes each. Please send your ask it basket questions to the co-host who is the Q&A monitor. Okay, so we are, okay, tell, so each of the speakers will tell where we're from, how long we've been in OA, and length of abstinence. Uh, our traditions state that OA has no opinion on outside issues. Some examples of outside issues are politics, religion, diets, treatment programs, non-OA approved literature, and other 12-step fellowships. Therefore, please base your sharing on your OA experience. Okay, I am going to now uh, mute myself and introduce Blair. Hi everyone, my name is Blair. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi everyone. Um, and Beth B, I don't know where you are. Oh, there you are, thank you. Um, if you could raise your hand when five minutes are left and then one minute, that would be lovely, thank you. Great, well, um, my name is Blair. I'm a compulsive overeater from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm really, really, really grateful to be here. And thank you so much uh, to Karen who asked me to speak. Um, I'm going to share my screen and show you in pictures um, what I was like. Um, so this is me in 1995. I had just um, been assaulted and um, became very anorexic. This was the beginning of that phase. Um, then in October 2008, this was my brother's 30th birthday. Um, picture speaks pretty loudly, even though I have a big smile. Um, I was not happy. Um, this is my wedding day and a day of um, when I attended a baby shower. So the wedding day in the long picture and the baby shower here and 2012 to 2014. Uh, this is my brother's wedding in March 2017. And I had begun to be in OA and I had uh, released some weight, but uh, nowhere near uh, the weight I was meant to release. 
Um, and this is February last year. So I am maintaining a about 130 pound weight release by um, the grace of HP and um, fellows and my sponsor. So tell you a little bit about what it was like. Um, I think the pictures speak more than what I can say now. Um, I was in the food and it was everyone else's problem um, and not mine. It was something was done to me. I was born um, in the 1970s, very premature. I weighed one pound, um, 16 ounces uh, is a pound. And um, I was born at 24 weeks and, and grew up a child that um, my parents would rush to me whenever I had anything wrong and they would um, they would predict when I might get sick or when I might have something happen to me and they were always there. And for me, um, my family was very big into rewards for meals and the, the dinner table was all about how much we could fit on a plate and cleaning your plate was a very big deal after eating. Um, you always had to clear your plate um, because people were starving in other places of the country and the world. So um, I didn't take any responsibility for any of my um, incredible uh, addiction to food until about five years ago when I recognized that there really was a problem. It wasn't other people. And I actually had to begin looking at things. So um, that's my brief history. My family is all very involved in 12-step programs. Um, my brother, my mom, my aunt, my cousins, and my two grandparents um, all had a disease of addiction. So I get it a little naturally. And so today I'm here to talk to you about step four and step five. I work step four and step five as it's laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This book has saved my life. It is an instruction manual for how to live my life. And I think it's written just for me. Um, and so when I began working the steps as they're laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, my sponsor told me um, we did things a little bit differently. They, my sponsor was a big book step study sponsor but actually did the first three steps in the OA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12 workbook. Um, so I found that quite helpful to begin writing right away, um, you know, my, my story and, uh, and then my concept of a higher power. And um, so that's the way my sponsor told me to work it. I worked it with my sponsor. And then we got to the dreaded fourth step. And I thought, I'm never going to get through all of these resentments that I have, because my whole life is a resentment. And what I found, um, and I'll just do, I'll try and do a little show and tell. Uh, oh, it's a little hard with my background, but um, no, you can't see it. Anyways, it's a big binder um, worth of a lot of writing. And what my sponsor had me do was um, fill out the work pages for the big book's way to be rid of resentment, 
removing fears and um, how to document your sex inventory. And there are worksheets that we would go over. And so the first paragraph, the first column is I'm resentful at, and then what are the causes? And often I put a lot of the causes into one box. And I was then instructed not to do that. For every box, there is one resentment. And then I filled out how it affects my, and then I listed my core defects. But instead of listing my core defects, my sponsor had me uh, write about my fears, my dishonesty, my selfishness, my self-seeking, and if I were to trust in higher power, what would it look like? So I can give you an example. Um, the first example I wrote down, I decided to go in chronological order of my life. I thought it was much easier for to catalog all of the resentments that I had um, by going chronologically. Other people may have different ways of doing this, but this is what worked for me. And the first one I wrote down was when I was in elementary school, um, I had this friend, it, we were actually in pre-K, or um, so it's pre-kindergarten, you're about five or six years old. And this person took a pussy willow, I'm not sure what the translation is in French, but um, it's a branch with a little uh, furry knobby thing on the end, and they're really very soft. And it was a show and tell. So people would pass around the pussy willow to feel how soft it was. Um, my friend took it and sniffed it and sniffed the little thing up her nose. Um, and she wouldn't share it. And I got very angry at her because she took the pussy willow branch and basically just demolished it so no one else could use it. I mean, I was five, right? But this is something that I took with me my whole life. Um, so how this affects me is it affects my self-esteem, my fear, my ambitions, my personal relations. Is any fear involved? Yes. And the fear was that I wouldn't have attention and I wouldn't be able to play with the pussy willow. And what I later learned is that the fears that I had, there is something, at least that my sponsor pointed out, that said, what would be the core fear? What is underlying this uh, fear? And the core fear was, I would not get what I want. And that's a very big recurring theme in all of my writing. The dishonesty was I'm not going to be okay without attention or without sniffing or feeling the pussy willow. The selfishness was that I wanted to play and have it to myself and I wanted the attention. I was jealous and judgmental. And if I trusted in higher power, I wouldn't have cared and I would have been patient. And this is one example of hundreds of others where I wrote down the small things that bothered me, even 40 years later, and I wrote them all down on paper. Even if I thought that I was over them, my sponsor suggested that I write everything down that bothered me. So that's what I did. 
And it was a thorough and fearless moral inventory. And I can tell you that there are three core fears. I don't have what I need. I will lose what I have and I'm not okay. And that kept coming up over and over and over again. And because I did the fourth step in this way, it allowed me to see those patterns over and over and over again. Um, and if I trusted in higher power, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have compared myself. I wouldn't have been impatient. I would have been patient. I would have accepted. Those are the things that, that came out of my four step fear. Um, re, uh, sorry, sorry, the uh, resentment. And um, I, I turned to this list and I have 40 pages of resentments of people and there are three resentments per page. And so a lot of these got um, throughout my time. I, I began reading my fourth step to my sponsor almost right away because uh, what what we did is she wanted to check in to see that I didn't have any questions. So as I was do, writing the fourth step, we were sharing it. I was sharing it with her. and. Um, I wrote in a different pen the comments that my sponsor would give me. Um, so a lot of those include the self-seeking behavior of self-righteousness that I often overlooked, meaning I thought I could do it better than somebody else or I had a better way of doing it and they're just silly. They didn't do what I thought they should do. Um, or uh, comparisons. And for me, those were so important to see as I went through this with all of these pages. And some of them were much more uh, close to the heart. Like, um, let me take another example. Um, um, my cousin Muffin, um, whose name is Amory, she likes to be called Muffin which is a whole nother uh, discussion for another time. But I'm resentful at Muffin because she ruined the family vacation because she came to the vacation sick and told us that everyone had to take care of her. So this affects my self-esteem, my security, my ambitions, my personal relations, and is there fear involved? Yes. So my fears were that the vacation was ruined, that I've lost time, uh, that I can't ever get it back. The dishonesty is that I'm not okay because she ruined my vacation. I am the only person who cares about her, and I'm the only person who takes time to, um, to help my cousin. Selfishness, I want her to go home, I want her to stay at home and never to come. I want my space free of her self-centered fear, self-centered, uh, self-seeking rather, self-centered, uh, arrogance, judgment, self-centered, self-pity, self-righteousness, 
anger, fear, frustration, you name it, I had it. And this is my cousin. This is someone that is literally, you know, uh, five, 10 years older than me. And we live almost in the same city. Um, so higher power, uh, what would what would happen if I trusted in my higher power? I'd spend time with her without agenda or fear or judgment. And I'd treat her with love and kindness. And that's it. There doesn't have to be a bigger agenda than that. And um, so for me, writing the resentments as they're laid out in the big book and how to get rid of them was the most important informative piece of this work um, that I did. And I honestly never thought it would end. Um, <laughs> so for me, I, I, I'm the type of person that... Um, that did a lot of writing right away. And then I stopped for a couple days. I didn't pick it up. Uh, you know, I'd go for a week or two with nothing. And so finally my, my sponsor said, Blair, what would it be like if you wrote for five or 10 minutes a day and had a timer and a bookend? I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I don't have to totally overdo it one day and then do nothing the next. That sounds like a good idea. So I did that and miraculously I got through my resentments and my turnarounds on my resentments and went on to the fears. And I'm not sure if it was the same for you guys, but for me, the fears, thank you so much, Beth. Um, the fears rolled off my pen really, really fast. And, um, Again, like I said, with the resentments, I don't have what I need. I'll lose what I have or I'm not enough or I'm not OK. And that was a constant theme, um, you know, family members dying, um, people not doing the right thing, uh, people getting into car accidents. Uh, I, I also had a lot of fears about not losing enough weight or not or losing too much weight or. Um, or not losing it fast enough or losing it too slow. I had a lot of fears and a lot of resentments toward myself. Like I said, I was born very prematurely. And because of that, I had a lot of medical problems. Um, and so that's part of my story. And you know what? It, it allows me to have some compassion for, for others who are sick and unwell. And I was sick and unwell, too. And so um, having this opportunity to go through my life with a fine tooth comb and share it with another person in step five was uh, probably the greatest gift that I could have given myself and, and my, my whole family. And right as I started reading my fifth step, my sponsor told me that she needed to move out of the country. And... Um, so instead of getting fearful about that and having it be a, a fear that I wrote on my fear list, I actually had was OK. And I found another sponsor. We are still in touch to this day. She moved back to the area and um, that my other sponsor. And now I'm, I've been working with the, uh, the same sponsor now for, I think, two and a half years. And I finished reading my fifth step to this person in a church it's a beautiful church where I used to attend a, a meeting and it was such a quiet space and the lights were off and I would read her my fifth step and I was so embarrassed uh, 
about all the things I had done and all of the the sexual um, the the items on my sex list that I was so embarrassed about that I couldn't possibly read that and somebody still love me. Um, but you know what? My sponsor is still my sponsor and she's still my friend. And, you know, all I can say is that working with another member and another sponsor and sharing that bond with that person is second to none because I told her everything and she still loves me. And I've done some pretty crazy things. Uh, let me just tell you. Um, but but today I, I don't have to take it out on my body or take it out on other people. And for that, I'm so incredibly grateful. Um, I really can't wait to hear uh, Melissa, your share and what others have to say. Um, you know, this is a process. And just because I finished my fourth step doesn't mean that I'm done. It uh, doesn't mean that I don't have things that come up or things that frighten me or things that I'm resentful for or things that I do that are kind of squirrely. It just means that I recognize it better and faster and I know the next right action. So um, for me, I'm really grateful for this program for higher power for all of you. And thank you so much for everyone doing service to make this possible. I know we were all planning to be in person, but it's so amazing to see all your faces here on the screen. And um, I feel you with me and I'm just really, really grateful. This program saved my life. Um, so thank you so much. And merci France, uh, merci beaucoup. Au revoir. Thank you very much, Blair. Um, you know, I was not planning on being in Boston. I was planning on being in Florida. So uh, I'm really grateful for this virtual, uh, virtual opportunity. Um, and the beauty of going first is that uh, now I can't, I have to change some of the things I was gonna say because you said them. Uh, my name is Melissa. I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Uh, I live in the Finger Lakes of New York and in the winter I'm in Punta Gorda, Florida. I hope you can tell I'm not there yet. Uh, I'm, it dropped 20 degrees Fahrenheit here today and I'm cold. <laughs> I've been in Overeaters Anonymous uh, about 30, just over 30 years. I've been abstinent all but a few months of that time and I've been at a healthy body weight since about 1993. I'm gonna launch right into the steps. Um, Step one tells me what my problem is. And that is that I'm powerless. And step two gives me the solution to that, which is power. And it tells me where I'm gonna get my power. Uh, my solutions were always things like dieting, uh, throwing up my meals after I ate them, laxatives, diet pills, things like that. I felt very powerful while I was doing those things. Uh, but that feeling of power never lasted. So I was going to find a source of power that could solve my problem. Uh, and then I had a decision to make. Did I want to live in the problem? Or did I want to live in the solution? 
if I said I wanted to live in the solution, then I had a practical program of action that was actually going to bring that decision into my life. Um, looking back and using that kind of 30 year perspective, uh, it sounds really simple. But my story, like yours, probably was not that simple. Uh, I found out what I was truly made of in steps four and five. But before that, uh, after some months of abstinence, my sponsor told me it was time to begin step four. Uh, I knew that I had not truly made that decision that I was still holding on to one of my solutions for being overweight, which was prescription diet pills. And I know today that there's no way that I can start step four until I truly take step three. So she would ask me how I was doing on step uh, four and I would hem and haw. Um, and I couldn't start and I couldn't start. And I was really afraid of this step because I was going to find out I was a terrible person, uh, a liar, a cheat, and a thief. Then one night my sponsor told me that she would put the first cookie in my mouth if that would teach me I was powerless. Uh, so that same night, I came home, I got my husband, I told him what I'd been doing. We put all, and he didn't know, <laughs> we put all of the diet pills down the garbage disposal. And this was 30 years ago when we didn't think about where it was going and what it was going to do to anybody else. Uh, and I went outside and I uttered this very powerful third step prayer. Um, I can't do this. I can't do this, God, so you're going to have to. So now, in effect, I had a power greater than myself holding my hand. And I could begin to examine my resentments. The number one symptom of spiritual disease. I didn't think I had any resentments. I told my sponsor, don't have any resentments. And she said, really? Anyone you're angry at? Oh yeah. She said, well, write them down. Because frankly, any newcomer in his or her first meeting can make a list of the people they're angry at and why. So resent means to feel again to feel again. These were the feelings I had over and over again. And each time I thought about that person or that thing or that event, the violation got bigger and bigger. And I became less responsible for what had happened. Um, And so it turned out that I resented pretty much everybody I'd ever known. And like the Pussy Willow story, I got to tell you, it was Susie F. who lived behind me when I was three, four, five, six years old, whose parents wouldn't let me ride her bicycle. 
that was that was the first one on my page. Um, but it didn't take me very long to find out that um, to go back through my life and listing the people I resented, and rather than a, a line for every person, suddenly I was finding myself putting another name on the same line as I had. So, so I resented um, my next door neighbor, Heather, because she was mean to me. I resented my backdoor neighbor, Kathy, because she was mean to me. I was <laughs> resentful at, and suddenly I've got this, who am I resentful at cell that has 20 names in it. And then there are all the people who were thinner than me. And I've got a big cell full of names and I've got, I resented all these people because they were smarter, they were richer, they were prettier, they were thinner, they were more popular than I was. And as I began to see that pattern before I did anything else, these resentments suddenly became stupid, stupid. And they went poof. They just disappeared. There's always going to be someone with more money than me, prettier than me, smarter than me. It, it just didn't matter anymore. It was not so easy to do the inventories for the people who were closest to me. My parents, my siblings, my sex partners, my husband, my stepchildren, my boss. Um, but I did them to the best of my ability at the time. And when I look back to that document, and I still have it uh, after 30 years, um, I'm always surprised at how accurate it was. All those decades, it, it still is all those decades ago. Um, but about the most important thing that happened for me was um, I had to follow the instructions on the big book for step four, line by line, because I couldn't read it and find the instructions. So I made five by, I, I made little cards, index cards with each instruction on it. And I would go through the cards and I got to page 67 on the big book after I had made the list of resentments I had decided it was all their fault, but I have to live free of anger. It's the dubious, uh, the dubious luxury of normal men. Uh, and it's poison for me, literally. So what do I do? I look at those who had wronged me, perhaps as spiritually sick. And I ask God to help me show them the tolerance tolerance, pity, and patience that I would show someone who had cancer. Um, and the prayer is, this is a sick person. How can I be helpful? God save me from being angry. This changed everything. Because, you know, at first I did it with condescension. So it was, oh, oh, this is a sick person. And later, after I developed a little compassion, there was compassion there. And if we have an opportunity later, I can tell a story about a whopper of a resentment 
um, on which this prayer or a variation of it uh, really worked. When I got to the fear and the sex inventories, I found out that I was a prey, afraid of pretty much everything. And I had used every man who looked at me twice uh, for its security or esteem. Um, I also did a harms other than sex inventory. So the things on that were stealing office supplies from my employer, cheating on my husband, although that had been in the sex inventory, lying um, to my mother. I mean, just a lot of different things like that. And there is, uh, I found substantiation for this uh, in the uh, AA 12 and 12, which gives me further instructions on examining financial and emotional. I was a spendthrift, financial and emotional things. So I had been afraid of finding out I was a liar, a cheat, and a thief. And what I found in the step four process was that I was a liar, a cheat, and a thief. Um, but I wasn't a bad person trying to get good. I was a sick person trying to get well. Um, someone out there is going to ask this question. What about the questions in the OA 12 and 12? Blair and I both chose to work our steps from the big book. Uh, and I have to say that when the book came out and I read them and I sat in meetings where we read the chapter, uh, they made me feel like a really bad and they didn't make me. As a result, I felt like a really bad and dirty person because the only question I could not say yes to was the one about having sex with farm animals. Um, I had done everything in that chapter. Uh, but I will also say that the second edition of the 12 and 12 has really made an improvement because in every, in, in, instead of saying, did I, did I, did I, did I, it says, where might I have, you know, when did I? Um, and, and that really makes it a better process. Um, but I used those questions in step eight. Where did I owe an amends for being that way or having done those things? Um, the other thing somebody's going to ask is what about writing down our strengths? Well, I did this because uh, I heard about it and it sounded really good to my ego. Um, however, I didn't think I had any. So it became a very difficult. I, on the back of my fourth step is scrawled four things, four, four strengths. Uh, and they were all qualified. Like, well, people seem to think I'm a nice person, you know. Um, I do want to spend a few minutes on step five. Um, there's a very simple instruction on how to do step five. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character and every dark cranny of the past. And 
that's what we do. Um, my sponsor said, um, so you can do it one of two ways. We sat down on her porch, we lit a candle, it was really lovely. And she said, uh, you can either give me your grave taker first and everything else will seem really easy. Or you can wait until you see how this goes before you give me your grave taker. So a grave taker is the one that's either going to take me to my grave or I'm going to take to my grave and never tell anyone. Um, I actually didn't have one for her at that time. Uh, there was one that came up later and we discussed that one. But most importantly, during my fifth step, my sponsor helped me with that, what was my part column. And she said, Melissa, we're not going to come out of this. Um, we're not going to come out of this with 120 character defects, right? We're going to come out of this with a very simple list. And she helped me understand that everything I've done, all of the resentments, all the things that I felt um, were a result of one of three things, uh, insecurity, self-centeredness, and fear. And she said, um, so have you done any work on insecurity, self-centeredness, and fear? And I said, work on those? She said, yeah. I said, I've been working on those all my life and I've never gotten anywhere with it. And she pointed out what our books say is I am as powerless over those defects of character as I am over food and that God was going to be working on those. I did have some things to do. I had six, seven, eight, and nine to do, but that those were things that um, one of my friends uh, says, we, you know, God is going to co-create me and God and I are going to co-create me. But frankly, I think God's doing all the work. So I felt so clean when I left my sponsor's house. I had never, ever felt that clean. Um, but wait, we're not done. Big book tells me that I'm going to go home. I'm going to take out the book and I'm going to review the first five steps and make sure I haven't omitted anything because I'm building an arch through which I'm going to walk to freedom at last. Um, this is a, this is an important thing to remember to do. And it created a really lovely evening for me even after I got home. Um, one of my favorite promises about step five is once we have taken this step, we can look the world in the eye. I had never been able to look my sponsor in the eye until that night. Our fears fall from us. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience.
And without sounding melodramatic, uh, that actually happened to me. Within a few days, I noticed that I looked different. And what I interpreted was that a spirit was shining out of my eyes that had not been there before. Uh, I called it, and I still do, the goddess, uh, was shining out of my eyes. Um, so I had had a spiritual belief, but now I'm beginning to have an, have an experience of the spirit. And um, I was going to need that <laughs> because, uh, as has been said already, uh, there were a lot of days to come. And the days are sometimes longer than the years. Uh, there have been a lot of years since then. Uh, but um, that's for another story and another day. Thank you very much for listening. Ah, I have more work to do. Let's see. That's not what I want to read. Here we go. Um, we're going to go to Q and to questions and answers. So I'm assuming that our host has enabled the chat so we can uh, do a question and answer session. Uh, participants participants should be able to privately message the moderator, the Q&A moderator privately. I will also open the chat for people to speak to everyone as well. But if you have a question, please direct it privately to the Q&A moderator. moderator. Thank you. And the Q&A moderator will read the questions to Blair and I, to Blair and me, excuse me. And uh, we will do our best to answer them. None have, arri none have arrived yet. No yeah. questions have arrived yet. While we're waiting, I will be timing for three minutes and I'll just let the timer go off. I think you'll be able to hear it. Great. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Okay. Um, this is for either person, whoever feels moved to. Uh, what fears did you have? Turning over step four. <laughs> uh, Melissa, you left first, so you're up. I left, I left first, yeah. <laughs> um, my sponsor is affectionately known as the Dragon Lady. Uh, I was terrified, actually, of going to her house and doing this step with her. She had a way and still does of nailing me between the eyes. So I did not know what was gonna happen. And um, fortunately it was a wonderful experience. But, you know, when she said to me, well, you can give me your grave takers, your grave taker first, or you can wait and do it at the end. I thought, 
<laughs> oh my. Um, by the way, I tell my sponsees the same thing, that they can start with the hard one and then everything will get easier or they can start with the easier ones and see how it goes before they do the hard one. I've never heard anything horrible, um, except once. And I want to say that um, a woman said something to me once and I thought, that's disgusting. That's really awful. And I carried that around for a day or two until I realized the reason it bothered me so much was that I had done the same thing. And it was buried so deeply that it took that, that event to remind me of it. Blair, would you like to share on fears of turning over your fourth step? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Melissa. And thanks for the question. Um, I, I had a lot of fears. Um, I had fears about not knowing how long it would take. I had fears of not doing it correctly, of not being perfect, of having my sponsor know my deep dark secrets and my fears and my sex inventory. Um, and all of that kind of melted away as I started doing the actual work because I was so involved with the actual work that it, I didn't have time to get all riled up about who would think what of me. Um, and what was really helpful for my sponsor was that she kept saying, Blair, this is just a documentation. You were documenting your history. It's as if somebody was above you watching down and literally writing out what happened in your life. And that was really helpful for me to let go of all of the expectations around doing this perfectly. Um, and so those fears were short lived. Thanks. Okay, um, I'm going to kind of conglomerate this question a little bit. Um, how do you get through your fourth step with all of those emotions coming up and not binge? Anybody want to answer that? Yeah, um, this is Blair, compulsive overeater. Um, for me, um, it was all about having an outlet for all of these emotions that I didn't know I had. So as I started writing, a lot bubbled up. And to say that I had a lot of fear about that, absolutely. But what I knew I couldn't do is be back in the food because my life was unmanageable. Um, so what I did was I dove into service and for me, service was my way out. And, um, at the time we were having face-to-face -face meetings, I would literally be the one to volunteer to put away the chairs or to set up the chairs in the meeting or 
to call newcomers, um, which is a big, really critical piece of my recovery has been um, calling newcomers because honestly, newcomers give me so much more than I could ever give them. And so I, I flung myself into service um, within reason, of course, not to burn myself out, but, um, and just saying that is not my food was also very helpful for me and going to meetings and doing service. And uh, literally whenever I felt the urge to do something different than what was on my meal plan, um, I would go help someone else uh, or I would go to a meeting or I would pray or I would call my sponsor or a fellow. So that's what works for me and worked for me in step four and continues to work for me today. All right. You want to address that, Melissa? Please do if you want to. Okay. All right. Um, I don't hold any resentments, and I have a hard time remembering any incidents. What do I do? How do I dig for those? Uh, well, I have no idea what your story is. I have no idea um, what you have been through. My guess, though, would be if you are abstinent from all of the foods and the volume of food um, which constituted the symptoms of your disease, um, don't worry, they're going to show up. Okay, I'm waiting on some questions. Uh, thanks. Diana, can I share on please, that? Oh, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, Blair, still a compulsive overeater. So for me, um, I thought for sure that I didn't have a lot of fears and I didn't have very many resentments, that I was sort of perfect. And I went through my life and my sponsor instructed me to say to anything that I was annoyed at, like somebody cut me off in traffic that one time, I wrote that down. So I've heard some sponsors do other things differently, but my sponsor literally asked me to write everything down that I could remember that bothered me or made me feel scared or annoyed or frustrated or angry. Um, any feeling other than sort of calm is in these pages. And meditation helped a lot for me. Um, as I was continuing to chronologically go through my life, that worked for me. I don't, it, my sponsor didn't do it chronologically. They just did it as it sort of came up. But I would, I would urge whoever um, asked that question to just sit and um, think back to your life and think back if there was any time that anyone bothered you or did something that was a little bit annoying Talk to your sponsor. Maybe that goes on the page. It went on my pages, but um, that's just what my sponsor asked me to do. Okay. Um, I just want to reiterate to everybody that there are questions that are coming in that are similar and they're being condensed and uh, conglomerated for the entire group. Uh, we have a question about how do you know when you're finished with your fourth step? Ah. That's an excellent question. Uh, my sponsor had me, well, I was working on it pretty much every day. 
a little bit every day. And when I called her and said, it's done, let's make a date, you know, and she said, no, you put it on the shelf. You let it get cold is exactly the phrase she used. Excuse me. And then you take it out, you get down on your knees and you ask God if that was everything. And I believe there's a line in our 12 and 12 that says something almost exactly like that. I never saw it anywhere but there. Um, you get down on your knees and ask God if that's everything. But the other thing is the big book tells us that if you have written a lot, you, you've gotten some of it out or most of it out. And the truth is there are always going to be things. You can't get everything. I didn't get, nobody gets everything. They will, they'll come up, they will show up. Um, and that's what 10 is for. And, um, you know, a lot of OA people have been molested uh, as children. And that kind of thing doesn't come up right away. Uh, it, it sometimes makes a really uh, un unwelcome appearance uh, later, in, later in, in program, later in recovery. Um, I believe there's a reason that those things don't come up for us right away. Um, I had one sponsee who couldn't write about her father. She could write about her mother, but she couldn't write about her father. That was okay because I knew someday it would come up. And um, it, the, I, I believe very firmly that these things don't come up for us until we're ready to handle them. Um, so that's my take on it. Uh, this is Blair. I, um, you know, I didn't know when I was done it wasn't up to me. It was up to my higher power and higher power didn't have anything else for me to write down on the pages. So um, I first did, um, like I mentioned earlier, the, the big books way of getting rid of resentments and fears and, and documenting your sex inventory. So I wrote column one all the way down. So everyone that I was resentful at, I wrote the first column and then there were more people that I added on later after I started doing my turnarounds, which are the, the core character defects, the fourth column. So there were ones that I added. And uh, like the other speaker mentioned, um, you know, that's that's what the 10th step is for. I'm never really going to be ever done <laughs> because I'm going to have things that come up in my life. I'm just more able to recognize them sooner and to not do anything destructive because of them. So thanks. Okay. Um, here's a question about how do I start if I have trouble writing at all? Do you uh, want to take that, Melissa? Yeah. Well, um, have trouble writing at all. So writing is not your 
uh, your means of communication. And I guess, um, you know, it's someone said in a, in a group recently about, right, about the tools meeting said, uh, you know, I can't lie when I have a pen in my hand. Um, and it's been said of addicts that uh, if my mouth is moving, I'm lying. So uh, I am not sure how to respond to that. It's possible that your sponsor might have you do an oral fourth step with him or her. Or if it's just like mine that I couldn't get started writing because I hadn't really taken step three. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to approach this and I'm really not sure how how to approach it other than those ideas. Okay. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, if if physically writing is hard for you because you have a problem with your hand, for example, or because there's some other problem, um, you know, oral history would be great or, you know, um, speaking that types it out for you. Um, you know, there are a lot of other ways to do this with that, that doesn't involve literally writing it. But if you are able to write physically, um, then I urge you to try that. Um, whatever works with you and your sponsor and your higher power. So don't force it. But if there's some other underlying concern or problem, try and try and uh, talk with your sponsor about that. Okay. Um, we have a question about how does a sponsor learn to skillfully handle some of these super difficult memories that come up from their sponsees. So you've talked about your fourth and fifth step doing them. So would you talk a little bit about your experience receiving fourth and fifth steps from other people? I, I oops, sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Blair. I was just going to say that um, all of my sponsees are, are on step two and three. So they have, I haven't received okay. a fourth or a fifth step yet. Okay, so you you started to break up a little bit when you said- Okay, I, I'll try I, again. I receive what about the it, person? It, the person is concerned is like, how does a sponsor learn to handle, skillfully handle some of the super difficult memories that come up from the sponsee? So I'd like you to talk a little bit about your experience um, get helping your sponsees through the fourth step and receiving their fifth step. How did you learn how to do that? Ah, uh, uh, you know, I, I called my sponsor one day and I said, uh, how, how did we do step two? And she said, weren't you there? Uh, so I guess that I'm going to answer that by saying I, 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 the first time I heard a fourth step, I called her and said, um, okay, I'm hearing a, a fifth step tonight. Um, tell me what to do. And she gave me a couple pointers, but you remember her nickname is Dragon Lady. Um, 
So there were some things about her that I really did not want to emulate. The important thing was to let the person know um, how honored I was to be hearing her fourth step. And um, yeah, I, and I think that when it comes to helping them do the fourth step, one of the most important things I ever learned about sponsorship is that I can talk until I'm blue in the face and then a sponsor will call and say, I heard the greatest thing in this meeting about step four, blah, 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 blah. And it would be exactly the thing I had been saying to her all along. And by the way, um, I did the same thing to my sponsor. So sometimes, uh, having a person ask other people about their experiences doing the fourth step, sitting in a meeting where people authentically talk about, not academically talk about it, but really authentically share what they went through doing it and how they did it. Our books tell us that, um, you know, there's lots of different ways to do the step. Uh, I, I bought, by the way, a whole bunch of different manuals on how to do step four. I, I fondly remember the seven deadly sins. Um, and what I found out was the easiest one was the big book way. And in fact, if I'm going to sponsor you, that's how you're going to do it. Uh, yeah, I think my time's up. Thanks. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, I would say this is going to be our last question. And a number of people have asked about a prayer. How do you involve prayer in getting your fourth step and your fifth step? Some people were talking about the third step prayer. You talked a little bit about the third, making sure you did your third step before you went to your fourth step. Um, so would you address prayer and uh, doing the fourth and your fifth step, please? Hi, this Blair? is Blair. Oh, sorry. Um, so prayer is absolutely so critical. Um, the third step prayer and also um, the, the third paragraph on the bottom of page 65 to the end of page 67 for resentments. Um, all of that to me is a prayer. <laughs> um, 68, 69, big book. Um, and uh, the, their fear prayer, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. Um, in addition to the step uh, three prayer. So um, the resentment prayer lines three to five, page 67, God, please help me show blank the same tolerance, pity and patience. I would cheerfully grant a sick friend for each and every person who has harmed you themselves or someone else. So that's what um, that I was instructed to do um, as I was doing the fourth and fifth step. And it continues to be helpful to me today. Okay. Uh, I'm going to thank you. And I'm going to turn the meeting back over to Melissa to start closing. Thank you. Thank you all very much. It's been, it's been a great time.
to spend with all of you. And uh, we're going to close the meeting. And, and oh my gosh, all of the people who all the co-hosts and the moderators and the translator friends, thank you so much. Um, hosts and co-hosts and timer, Beth, thank you. Um, the, you know, we, if you remember face to face, Looks like we actually may have lost Melissa for Yeah, I think she's frozen. Yep. Okay, no problem. It's 20 degrees colder than it was yesterday. That's why she's frozen. <laughs> no problem at all. So what I will do is um, go ahead and I'm sure there's something here in this script if I can get it open about, yes. Um, we will, yeah, just close with the serenity prayer. What I am going to do is enable your ability to unmute as participants so that everyone who would wish to can unmute and join us in the serenity prayer. So let's go ahead and take a moment of silence. <sighs> God. God. Thank you. Keep coming back. Thank you, everyone. I'm going to end the interpretation.